0: Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I have a really great guest to start off the new year, Frank DiCaro. Uh, He was a serious radio host for 12 years. He's also an author, and he was on The Daily Show, and he is currently opening as a stand-up comic for Lisa Lampanelli all around the country, and uh, he's great to talk to. I've known him for a long time, and we've been wanting to make this happen, and we finally did. Uh, Before we get to the actual interview, I want to give a shout out to everyone that has joined my Patreon page. Um, Once a month, I'm going to... Oh, fuck. I'll cut this out. All right. Once a month, I'm going to post a bonus episode for patrons only, and you can get in for as little as a dollar uh, for an episode, or you could pay more and get bonus... Little gifts like a uh, audio copy of my book screening party and links to my short films, things like that. So you can learn about that at patreon.com and just search for Dennis Anyone. It's P A T R E O N. I'm also posting the link on dennisanyone.net. It's there, and um, I'll post it on the Facebook page for Dennis Anyone, which I would love for you to join on that. All right. Um, if you want to email me, you can do that through dennisanyone.net. I'm actually going to try to develop some more questions for the observation deck. So if you have any ideas for that, uh, shoot them to me in an email or post them on the Facebook page. And um, we're going to refresh the deck a little in 2016 or what year... 2017. I don't know what year this is. I also wanted to let you know that this month's Patreon uh, page podcast is with Frank DiCaro. I did a separate podcast with him just answering questions from the observation deck. So much fun stuff in there, surprising stuff, and uh, you can get that uh, at my Patreon page if you become a Patreon person, or a patron. I guess that's the word I'm looking for, patron. All right, without any further ado, here's Frank. All right, I'm here in the home of Frank DiCaro, my guest today. I feel like we've should have done this a long time ago, and we haven't done it. But now we're doing it.
1: I know. I'm so happy to be here. I have such respect and admiration for you. And, and, and I have that person. for no one. So it's good. So you're, Thank you very much. you very a few people. And you're on the list. So. Now, um,
0: I first met you bef- before you got the serious gig. I
1: feel <sighs> like... Was it? That was It was at an Oscar party. Yes. I was right? doing The Daily Show. Yes. And we showed my Oscar special. And it was at...
0: It was the- at my friend Dennis Smeal's house... And I'm not sure how it was like... Terrence
1: wrong... was his boyfriend.
0: Yes. Yes. And At I, yes. I um, and used I knew to Terrence. co-host that with him. Yes. That's you knew Terrence. And I remember taking a picture of you on the screen when we watched your Oscar special. Yes. Yay. All right. was so a we long go. time ago. Now, um, your radio show ended less than a year ago, right?
1: February of 2016. February of 2016. Yes. Wow. On our anniversary, they came in and you were like, this is not going to be good. How, no. how,
0: how did it go down?
1: We they they came in and they said, hi, we're, uh, the channel will be no more in two weeks and please don't say a word about it. And, and While well, you were on, about to go on the air? Uh, no, right after that, on the, uh, after we celebrate our 12th anniversary. Did and, they call you into a meeting or did Yes. They, okay. A woman flew out from New York, which is never good. If someone flies out to see you at a meeting, nothing good will come of it. That's, oh my god. That's goodness. what I've learned. So, uh, yeah. And they did though. On our, and How we kept it, it quiet. Yeah, for like nine days, and then That's a lot. and then it. Michael Musto saw me at a party and said, "Is it true?" And I said, "Yes." And he said, and he just said, "Is this true? Is this true?" And I just nodded, and that was that was my whole statement on the matter. I just you got it, got the story. Whoever told you got it right, right? And then he published it, and, and he published, published it the Fallout next day, day, and all hell broke loose. And I don't know if it was because he was nice to me in the piece or what, but it ended up where they wouldn't let me go on the air anymore. So you didn't really get to... No, I didn't get to say goodbye. What would your goodbye have been like? Thanks for nothing, suckers. No, I would have said how much I adored the listeners. And, and, uh, and I did. But now I'm telling you, when that red light was on, I was so happy to be there and so in the zone and loving it. And, and the people we got to meet were fantastic. How long did you end up doing it for? It was 12 years. Wow. It was our 12, apparently the 12th anniversary on Sirius is the is severance package, is what they give you. <laughs> that that <laughs> yes. is... That is the traditional gift at Sirius. Because I think there was Derek and Remain as well. So, mm-hmm.
0: How, When it first went down, were you like, okay, what am I going to do? Because now you're, you're opening for Lisa Lamp and they it. Minutes, I was,
1: you, it overlapped. It overlapped, right. thank heaven. Um, so you have, you have something to do. So you didn't have that. To do. Yeah, but still, I mean, but you know, but you do worry about, you know, when the bulk of your income is gone, you're like, yeah. what the hell are we going to do for money? Right. But I tell people it was, it was 70% relief because it was time to do something else. Right. And 30% what the hell will we do for money? Yeah. But it was, but you know, it's, it's like, I miss the, I missed the show and I miss the listeners and I saw Doria yesterday and I had, we were so funny. So this is the thing. So Doria. Doria
0: was Frank's my co-host, Doria on been on my
1: co-host for 12 years. My long-suffering yes. co-host. We are at, we were at a, the, there was a party that Glad threw and we got invited and we all went and a woman came by with a tray of chocolate chip cookies and Doria ate one and I said no, thanks. And it was like up is down, black is white. Right. What is going on here? And so it was. It was pretty funny. So that that was, that was ever, yesterday. Yesterday we were, but it was just. She looked at me like I'm eating a cookie and you're not. What is wrong with this picture? I was like, I know. It's the new. It's the new normal. What can we say? Well, you've lost a lot of weight. You've been posting your extra extra selfies. When did this start? Okay, so this is what. Happened. So I've been touring with Lisa Lampinelli for about a year and a half. Right.
0: Opening for her. Opening
1: for her. And I do like 35 minutes up front. Right. And and then I come out again later and we do a QA and a and I run around with the microphone like Oprah or, or Phil Donahue or whatever. And so that's fine. So um, last April, she April of 2016, she called me into her, uh, to her house. And she said, I have an idea for your career that's going to be amazing. You have to come. So I drive to Connecticut. And I get there. There's no plan for my career. There, there, it's a fat intervention. A one woman fat intervention. And she said... She, she lives in Connecticut. Yeah, she lives in Connecticut. Okay. So I get to her gorgeous house. We, we go to her house for social reasons all the time. I just didn't know I was going to be there for a fat ambush. But thank God it happened. So she, she, uh, she said that you're like family now. You mean so much to me. And you're not going to die on my watch. And you have to lose 30 pounds by the end of June, or you're going to my bariatric surgeon for a consultation. You don't have to get the operation, but you do have to promise me you will go for the consultation. Because she did have an operation. She, oh, she got her whole stomach cut out. Yes, oh my God, she lost 107 pounds and kept it off for five years. Because you can still gain it back, even though right. you can get your stomach cut out. So I told her, I'll do it. And so she sat there and she downloaded well, an you app. Feel? Oh, it's so much better. I read. No, how I, did you feel? when Oh, she then said I that? Was just felt like I got did hit in the head. Did you feel like somebody a, on
0: intervention? Like, what the fuck's
1: happening? Yeah, I felt like I got hit in the head with a baseball bat. I really, or a frozen lamb, like a lamb maybe. It was being but it's also very touching in a way. Yeah, it was beautiful. She lost a friend also named Frank. Okay, who ate himself to death? Basically, oh my and, god! Uh, and she was—it was that it was, it was this guy she dated, and he ate—he he was over four hundred pounds, and and he ate himself to death. And didn't take any of the warning signs. And she she was basically like, this is not happening again. And she also was dealing with all this again because she wrote a play called Stuffed that was off-Broadway. And it's going to be back for a commercial run in 2017, which I'm thrilled about for her because it's really Is it a one-woman show? No, it's a four-person. It's kind of like Love, Loss, and What I Wore or the Vagina Monologues or something like that. But it's about weight issues and food issues. And it's wonderful. But she, uh, I think all those feelings got dredged up. You know, she'd already buried one fat Frank and she didn't want to do it again. And uh, and so we had this moment, and, and it was kind of amazing. And uh, I thank her every day for it. And I say, and whenever I get a really good photo, I send it to her. I say, this is all your damn fault. You know, whenever I have a photo I look thin. So, um, so you I, said there's an app involved? Yeah, there's an app. And I, so I, basically, it's just journaling my food the way you right. do it, at Weight Watchers or anything, but it's called Lose It. Right. Any, or Fitbit, any of those things, anything right, you right, can right. write down, everything you eat. Right. Is the thing. So I've been doing that. And I'm sitting here, and I used to weigh 98 pounds more than this. Wow, um, you've lost I, almost I lost, yes, all told. But I lost 70 this year. That's um, since incredible. April. It's two pounds a week, basically. Is incredible. What it's but I've journaled consecutively. As of today, it's about 257 days or something like that. And uh, uh, I've been over, like, way over calories. Like, 2,000 calories over. About five times. So that's pretty good. Considering.
0: Is, what, do, what, what do you miss the most?
1: you you everything now. I don't really yeah. miss. I, I, I miss. Uh, what do I, I don't? I really don't. I, so do, I mean, it's like, I really like it. I, the only thing that's nervous making and anyone who's got a weight issue will tell you this is you have to come to the realization that you will have to. You're like an alcoholic. You're either you're a recovering alcoholic. You're never really a former alcoholic. You're a recovering alcoholic. And right. it's like, I, alcohol's not my issue, but I'm a recovering foodaholic. Right. And I would eat to dull the pain. And I vowed uh, that I would not eat my feelings anymore. And what a year to stop stress eating. Okay? Oh this my was not God. the right year. The a year. I yeah, I know. Right I year to quit sniffing glue, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> or, or pie or whatever. But, uh, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I'm trying to have a relationship with food the way I do with alcohol, which is, like, I have a cocktail, and then I'm like, that's enough. You yeah. know, one doesn't lead to two right. or three or seven. You know, right. it's like one. But one Oreo leads to the entire package. And yeah. so it's like, no, I can't do it. So I have to behave with around my, you know, trigger foods and all that stuff. But you, Lisa, one day after, you know, I mean, she's five years. You'd think she'd stop worrying. She looked at me. She said, we're going to have to worry about this friggin' thing for the rest of our lives, aren't we? And it's like, yes, we are. But... The guy in the pictures now, yeah. The guy in the pictures now, I know who he is. I don't know who the three hundred pound guy was. I just know he wasn't particularly very happy, you know. And uh, and so I was like, I see me now, and I was like, no, that's me. And you you do a lot of cardio too. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, although I'm not in the mood to do it today, but I have to do it anyway. Also, you do it because you get three hundred more calories. Yeah, the machine says the stupid. Treadmill says you've burned five hundred ninety-eight calories. It's like, and no, I haven't. But thank you. You know, it's nice of them to be so sweet. But you basically are credited. You can have an extra three hundred. Is really what it, And forty-five minutes or forty minutes of cardio is good for about three hundred calories. But three hundred calories—that's a scoop of your favorite non-dairy Ben and Jerry's, or yeah. or whatever you want. And but no, they I mean, have I, a non They have well, non-dairy, non-dairy dairy, Ben and Jerry's because I dairy's bad for me. Me too. Can't do it. Peanut butter chocolate cookie. Peanut butter cookie. Like a Ben & Jerry's store? No, everywhere. In the the grocery store. I have it in the freezer right now. Well, people always say, what do you miss most? it's like, I eat everything. I just don't eat all of everything. You know, it it used to be, I mean, I had had M&M's a a week ago or so, but I used to come home with, I could bring home the the Costco size bag of of peanut M&M's and without even thinking about it, sit there while I was writing and make them go away. That's like a two-pound bag of M&M's. Nobody's supposed to eat two pounds of M&M's. Right. Not in a day. Not in this city. You know? Yeah. But I just, and I wouldn't even pay attention or enjoy it. It wasn't even like, oh this is good. It was just, I'd sit there and not be paying any attention to what I was eating and just scarf and scarf and feel nothing. You know, push the feelings down, push the feelings down. So, I'm not doing it, but you know. So it, what, the, what are the feelings that you've had to deal with? Oh, since you don't have the food thing. Oh, I'm anxious. Oh, ever since the election, I haven't slept well. And like yeah. anybody else with a half a brain in the country, we're all right. just like, oh my god, it's like you've it sold us out to the, you know, to the Russians and everybody else. It's like evil is winning for the time being, but not for long. That's life. the that's the thing that I hate the most about that is that
0: the a bully won. You know what I mean? There's all the things I'm worried about with the country or whatever, but the thing that really gets at me is that this there was no comeuppance for
1: any of the horrible yeah. things he said or did. And my husband said it the best. He said, it's like the Joker became the president and then opened the doors of Arkham Asylum and picked his entire cabinet. Riddler, you get to be secretary of defense. Yeah. Catwoman, education, penguin, energy. And You know, and it's, it's like, it's deranged. And yet, I think living with the uncertainty has been the hardest part for all of us. Because you're yeah. just like... And when people are like, I've had relatives say, "Oh well, you don't like when people disagree with you politically. This has nothing to do with politics. This has to do with morality. Okay? This is this is a moral tale. This right. is not a, poli- a tale of a poli- the political intrigue." It's, I it's, wasn't a
0: fan of George W. Bush, but I feel like there's some decency to him. Like, like you could disagree with him.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you could disagree with many Republicans. But so I don't, don't know who's okay.
0: going to say Donald Trump's
1: a good man. There are still people who think he's our guy. I've heard, I heard people, I was at the flea market and the Rose Bowl, and somebody said, well, we'll have to give him a chance. And I was like, no, in fact, we don't have to. What more do you, you know, what more evidence do you need? It's, it's really, it's astounding. And, and it, I think the thing that people act like, oh, we're, you're sore losers. No, it's not that we're sore losers. It's that everything we believed in about our, our countrymen has been thrown into question. It's like, we're, we're shocked that, I feel, I feel like knowing there are these many, that many people who voted for Trump is like finding out you're Jeffrey Dahmer's mother. Okay. It's sort of like, my son cooked and ate all the people, the nice boys he was dating, he ate them. That's the way I feel. It's sort of like the, the person, it's like your relatives are not only a little dumb, they're dumb enough that they would think that he's the answer to something. And then you're like, there are 9 million reasons to hit the eject button and you don't. And it's like, I voted for Republicans. That's my dirty little secret. Yes, I voted for Republicans. Not on a, political, not on a presidential level, but certainly, you know, I used to like Batboy. I used to like Rudy Giuliani, particularly around 9-11. I was like, that's I really life. liked him. He was America's
0: mayor around 9/11. He
1: was. Now he's Batboy. Do you ever see that Batboy from what Weekly World News? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah he's, that's what he looks like now. Are you and Boy.
0: Lisa able to talk about politics on the road? Or is it kind of one of those things where...
1: She's probably got Trump supporters there. She, some guy who who had a We the People in the in the font of the Constitution, Trump the establishment t-shirt, paid extra for a meet and greet. Then you've got a drag queen who did the same thing. And so it's like, God bless her that she can speak to both. But she jokes, she says, I want to get invited to that White House. And she said, and I also want to be his LGBT li- liaison. She said, so I can make sure gay marriage stays legal forever. So she's that person. She's, she's It's not the... She she knows how to how the line yeah and she knows how to do. it. I make two jokes in in my stand up about it, and I talk about I one the one I always say is I said if I knew Donald Trump was going to be president, I'd have waited to go on a diet until I got to the concentration camp. Yeah, which is terrible. But the audience and if they boo, I, I that's happened. I said, what the hell is this Hamilton? Don't you fucking boo me? <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> so it's it's fun and they laugh. But it's like we were in Biloxi, Mississippi a couple weeks ago. They were in my pocket from the moment I walked out. Go think. Why would Biloxi, Mississippi, like a gay guy they probably have never heard of, you know, yeah. who comes out and talks about being a bad giver of Hummers, you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> being married to the same guy for, for all the, or with the same guy for 20 years, talking about, you know, giving head like the Tootsie Pop Owl, you know, I, I, it's like, I do material that. They should hate. (laughs) But they love it. And they love it. And it's like, I come out in silver shoes, for God's sake. You know, I'm like standing there like that. So
0: when you first, when she first asked you to open for her, you hadn't done a lot of stand-up
1: per se. I had done, I would dip a toe four times a year. I would host or I would do a little set at something at like, you know, a gay comedy night or something. But no, I didn't. I had my stupid cards, you know, with me. So I would remember what the hell I was saying. Was there a learning curve? Or did you feel like... I had one... I appeared in okay. So where do I start? Las Vegas. We're at the Venetian, at the Sands show over the Venetian. Where are you going to start that huge room? Yeah. And I go, I go out, and the material. A joke goes well. I look at my cards. It dies down. I, do, you know, and Lisa just said to me, she said, "Hi, she said, when you get back to New York, she said, we're going to have a. She said, we're going to, we're going to. I'm going to give you some tips on, on what to do." So I get to her apartment, and she said, "Do your act for me," and I said. Oh my God, I don't have my cards with me. She said, good, because you're never using them again. Uh, she said, now get up and whatever you remember, do. And she said, I don't care if you go out there and do five minutes or 35 minutes. She said, whatever you remember is what you do. You're never having cards on stage again. She said, they're not paying money. Lisa
0: in my life to do I know. I love kind of stuff with me. She
1: said, they're, they are not paying money for you to look at your note cards. They are paying for you to do, be a stand-up. And... A couple of weeks later, I went out. No cards. I was terrified. It is like the first time you swim with no life preserver. Right. And the water is really deep. But I went out there and I did it. And as I was walking across the stage at the end, and it got my laughs really nicely. And it was way better. And she she leaned in as we were, we. I kissed her. You know, we, cro- we crossed when she's coming out. Because I, I introduced her and then we crossed. Yeah. And she gave me a kiss on the cheek and she said, today you just became a professional stand-up comedian. And oh, and so God, we walked so past crazy. each other and, uh, and it was good. And, and it, it's been amazing. And we've honed stuff. She'll like, that's not working. And she's, you know, she'll say, you know, the joke about, uh, when you say about Adele and then you talk about Megan Trainor, she's like, go from, go Adele, Sam Smith, Megan Trainor, Taylor Swift, fast. She's like, go one one joke on each instead of two or three here, and then a little weight, and then a little bit of that. So it's like someone showing you, here's how to ride the wave. And so it's it's really a masterclass in comedy. She's not giving me lines. Yeah. She might tweak something, but it'll be a joke that I've come up with and she'll say, Oh, but this word would be fun. Here's a perfect example. I talk about, I said, I do a bit a little bit about dieting, and I I say, I can now smell a pig in a blanket through a brick wall. <laughs> and she said, brick wall's not funny. She said, there needs to be another syllable or two. And I said, what, cinder block wall? And she said, trust me, try cinder block wall next time you do it, it'll be funnier. And it la- they laugh more. That's what working with her is like. A pig in a blanket through a brick wall is is a B. Pig in a blanket through a cinder block wall is an A. I don't know why. But, rhythm, she's, right? but she's right. <laughs> and so you have someone who's that good telling you you need an extra syllable and then you go back and fix it it's not so it's not like oh she's giving you material she's not giving you material but she's showing you this is how you this is how you finesse it it's like you need a syllable here don't wait on that i mean who, who knows when you go out and you do it no one tells you the moment the last joke hits reintroduce yourself and say goodbye She's like, don't you don't wait for the laugh to die down after the last joke. You go right into I'm Frankie Carol. Thanks, and you know, right. for being so kind. Um, but just little things like that. So it's, I feel like remember this story. Remember the actress Gloria Rubin. Right, yeah, the name. She, I think yeah, she was no, the one on E.R.
0: She, she went and right? sang backup singer for, for Tina, Tina Turner. Turner.
1: Yeah, you get a phone call. Hi, Tina Turner wants you do backup. I was like, for a comedian, come and open for Lisa Lampanelli. Is your Tina Turner call? Yeah, and. And I knew it was good because there were a few people who said really bitchy things. Other comedians said really bitchy things, so it was good. Right, it was nice. But then you know, it was where
0: did they say it? Like on to Twitter? me, they said it to you. When, you, when they heard that you were doing it to my face, they would say, "Well, they yeah. felt like you didn't. You should have been in the trenches longer, or something like that." Right? Is that the yeah. implication?
1: Yeah, I think that that you should have you should have been doing stand up longer as right. opposed to you should have been a comedian longer. You know, right? Because like you know, what I've been a comedian for m- most of my life. Right. I just wasn't doing it in that venue. I wasn't standing with it with a microphone next to a stool, you know, with a bottle of water on it. Um but but certainly 12 years of, of cracking wise and improvising, you, you know, it's you're an improv comic every day on the radio. If yeah. you're running a comedy talk show, you know that you're hilarious on there. Um and smart too. It's it, when you do it. So yeah, you know what that's like. You're really thinking on your feet. Um and it, it is kind of like I had an actual personal trainer 100 years ago say to me, when I first started at Sirius, he said, you do realize, he said, this is personal training for whatever you do after this. And he was right. I mean, thinking on your feet on the radio for three hours a day with whatever is thrown at you is kind of good, you know, good uh, fodder for standing there and, you know. If if something falls or if somebody says something shitty or, you know, or or they even more, they just want to chit chat. Somebody, somebody sitting in the front row and they think they're there by themselves. Yeah. And it's like, and I always tell, I said, you need to be, I said, do you have a line
0: that you use for hecklers?
1: I have a few things that I say, but I do, I tell them this, you do realize that like, I said, you can. Fucking around with me. But you do realize when Lisa comes in, you're going to be bottoming for Lisa if you don't shut your mouth. And right. I was like, I hope you brought condoms. And I always, I always talk to them. You know, I say, yeah. Yeah, she's going to fuck you. You know, and I, and I was like, trust me, you don't want to miss it. It's okay to curse on your show. Of isn't course. Because okay. I was going to say, it's, uh, yeah, so I always tell them that. And I always tell them, I said, no matter if they groan at something, I say, because there's a few things jokes that are gross. But every time they do that, I just say, it's like, this is, I am the bunny slopes. It's like, you do not understand what's coming up.
0: What's the joke that no matter how it's going, you know, is going to get them back?
1: Uh, I always get them when I talk about how bad I give (laughs) blowjobs. I uh, (laughs) I talk about not having the attention span to give a good blowjob. Yeah. And I go on about that. And I have a couple of good jokes. And the one that there's a little toss up. I said, you know, you're supposed to be paying attention, but you start thinking. That piece of cheesecake in the refrigerator is not going to eat itself. Yeah, and that they always laugh at that, and that always goes well. But I do. I talk about that, and I have a real groaner about Taylor Swift. But I don't want to give it away because it's my good joke. But it's my one good joke. No, I have. I, have this, I, have, I say something gross about Taylor Swift, but I, and I even though I love it's I love her. But do you ever wonder? About, you know, it's a do you ever yeah. wonder kind of thing, and um, and that always gets a good. That gets an, oh, and I was like oh come on, it's like too much. It's like do you know who you paid to see? But now thirty five minutes is a lot. Yeah, it just kind of evolved into that. Yeah. You know, but it it kind of goes, knock wood, it goes very well. It hasn't bombed. Not wood. And they're not there to see you. The, no, they don't know no, who they I are am. No, who you are. There'll be I... six people in the audience that'll know who I am and 2,970-something who know who Lisa are, you know, who's there for Lisa. So, yeah, so it's, you know, I mean, the listeners do come, but, you know, they're, they're, they've are they got other stuff to, you know, and, and, and unless they're looking at Facebook, they're not going to know where the hell I'm at or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I have to tell you, play to 3000 people they laugh a lot louder than 23 gay drunks on a tuesday you know it's, yeah. it, it's it's pretty and i'm not besmirching my i love my core audience i love it there, there but 3000 people do you get a rush it's it's kind of great when do you get the rush when they laugh yeah. It's kind of a thrill. I am one of those people. I'm nervous until the moment I introduce... I have to introduce myself. You know, you do the welcome and... You know, that yeah. like, baloney, which is we- a weird you thing. You do it
0: from offstage. Off stage, You're on yeah. the God
1: mic, and it's, you know, welcome to the Lisa Lampanelli show. Yeah. You know, and you have to introduce yourself, and you're like, no, I'm an idiot. But, do um, you pretend
0: that it's not you? I used you to. Say, now now yeah, I have to. But you do
1: say, please welcome Frank, take care. Yeah, I, I
0: sometimes get. do the mismatch game announcement, and then I act yeah. like it's not me, but
1: it's totally me. So... Um, I can only hope to be as funny as you on the Mismatch game. Oh, oh god. God, that show is the that what you have put together there is just it it is it is for people who've never seen the Mismatch game here in Los Angeles, you will never laugh harder at any you might laugh almost as hard but you're but never harder than you will then. Oh. And to be there the night that not only that that you went over what was the $100,000? $100, $100,000 were you there for that?
0: I was, I was there for that, that and sure. I
1: was there for the night that Tom Lank whipped out the, the sewing machine. machine in the greatest psych gag I've ever witnessed in person in my life. It that, was was magical, absolutely...
0: that was a magical...
1: That oh. was a magical thing. Yeah. I was, and I have to say, I, I feel lucky. You have those comedy moments that you're like, I can't believe I was in the room for. That, and I was there when Gilbert Gottfried told the aristocrats joke. Oh, yeah. that time. I was at the... I was, which is when I met Lisa early on. It was at I a forgot road. the aristocrats joke. They did a whole movie about the aristocrats yeah. joke. But he did the aristocrats joke. The went, oh, it's too long. But it's just... it's a, yeah. It's like this disgusting family... Doing horrible things to each other, incestuous, right. sexual, disgusting things, right. and then they, what's the name of your act? The Aristocrats. Yeah, it's always a version of that, but it ends with the Aristocrats. Um, when they walk into the agent's office and he's like, "What's the name of your act?" You know, after they've shit on each other and stuff. You know, they they do this story that that as gross. It's the goal is to make it as disgusting as possible, and then what's your name? The Aristocrats. Um, so, but to the... have been in the room for that, you know, it's a, it's a, I've been very lucky, with especially if you're like a comedy person, I was like. Okay, I've sat at Carl Reiner's feet to hear him tell stories in, in between something he was doing. And they're right. like, oh, yeah, you can meet him. And I'm sitting, I'm like, I'm sitting. And I talked on the phone with Mel Brooks. It's like, basically, I've met the Mountain Rushmore of comedy. And my, I've kissed Lily Tom, not on the lips, on that, <laughs> but she was the first time I ever did a storytelling night. Uh, she was in the audience. And I was like, I'm, the, I was like, oh, no pressure. It's just the great, one of the great storytellers you know ever. Her? Yeah, I knew she was going to be there. Wow. But it was just like, and Lily Tomlin is here. But it's like, it's weird to have met. So many of me, you know, and, and yeah, Joan Rivers sat with her so many times, you know, and so it's been, uh, I've been very lucky to have met the people that I, I've idolized and, and stuff, but it's, it's fun to be over 50 and have a mentor for the first time in your life. It's I know. Amazing. It's so amazing Who to gets have that. I have never, you know, people are like, Oh, well you've got every lucky break. And I was like, you know what? I've been very lucky, but it was never because I had a mentor or because someone took a special shine to me real. I mean, there were people who gave me opportunities, but but it wasn't the, hey kid, I'm taking you under my weight yeah. until now. That's amazing. You know? So that's kind of I'm the same way. I've had moments where people sort of Yeah, people are like, I yeah, like yeah, you yeah, and yeah. here here's a job. Yeah, that it's kind of thing. A bit but that's that different never... than I'm yeah. gonna show you how to succeed at those. That's you amazing. Know? Where did you first meet Lisa? I talk about it and yeah, She came up to me at one of the roasts because I was doing The Daily Show. Uh, it's might even be before John's. St- I don't know if it was before John Stewart got there or not. Because I right. I was three years before and three and a half years after his arrival. And I was doing the movie reviews on The Daily Show and they needed people on the dais. So with comedy central personalities, of which I was considered one, you'd get invited to events and you'd, you didn't have to... You were going to speak. You weren't one of the stars of The Roast. But you were invited to sit there. And... Uh, so I was on the dais, and she, she came up before in the green room, and she said, are you a good sport? And I said, yes. And, she, and I said, why? And she said, I want to make fun of you. And I said, that's my dream. Knock yourself out. Do it. And so she said horrible things about me. And it was the, all of her gay material was directed at me. And it was heaven. Was she so. well-known at that point? Or did she uh, know she was? Know who was kind she of was? up and coming. No, I honestly didn't know who she right. was. But when I saw her perform, I was like, Jesus, she's good. What well, she was, do you remember some those jokes? Yeah, I talk about it on stage. I, t- I tell yeah. them on stage. I what was one it. of them? Uh, I'm so gay I can sit on a lollipop and guess the flavor. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I tell that. Did you stay show. in touch after that? Yeah, you, yeah. yeah, we were the first show on Sirius she ever did was the Frank DiCaro show. Oh, that's great. So she came to see us and that was uh, fun and that became a, uh, a friendship. But I never thought, you know, I'd get a text saying, I want you to open for me now. And she said, let's start by you doing some West Coast dates. And that's what I did in 2015. So she sent you a text. Yeah. And I took took 18 minutes to respond yes. 18 minutes. And the answer, the response was, what the fuck is wrong with you taking so long? Just say yes. And so I was, and so, yeah, she was mad that I took 18. I was truly 18 minutes. I was like, how how dare you take 18 minutes? How many dates do you do a year? I guess we've done about... 40 or 50 this year or something like that. I mean, it's not every week, but it's like, you'll do some, could it be that many, let's say between 30 and 40. That, Where's that the weirdest really? place you played? Lafayette, Louisiana was next. The theater was next to a hospital. And she said, when they bash you, I'll just take you to the emergency room next door. <laughs> so that'll work out well. And it Did was. Did she say that on stage? <laughs> probably. Yeah. Uh, she yeah, said yeah. it off stage. And I don't know if she repeated it on stage, but we were laughing. And then, um, she, she said, uh, or uh, so we went out and it and was the first time I played somewhere. I was like, "What are they going to make of a of a real queen getting out there and talking?" And um, and it was the best up to that point. It was the I, I had the most fun in Lafayette, Louisiana. They needed us. They were sometimes they need you. They need someone who's unafraid to, to speak, you know, and to, and, and uh, particularly the the gays in the audience. But even more, I think. I mean, I've seen Lisa perform where like cops have come backstage. And I think that Lisa, and it was funny because it was, it was an, it looked at the, it looked like a Benetton ad of cops and it was, and I don't remember where we were, might've been Northern California, but it was like a black guy, an Asian guy, a white guy. They and weren't And a woman. Yeah, I think they were in uniform. Okay. They were. And they came up, well, of course they go backstage, they wanted to meet Lisa and we find out it's cops and she's like, send them back, of course. And we're talking to them and she's teasing each one of them. And then she's like, and this dyke here about, you know, and the woman wasn't gay, but she was like uh, rolled with it and was howling, you know, and, uh, and she was teasing all of them to their face. But I think that her political incorrectness is kind of a relief when you've got to really worry and you should really worry about the things you say, right. but it is fun to be able to watch someone blow up, you know, to have someone fearless and say stuff and that. And I still maintain it, it, it particularly. And, and now, it, sadly, it's even more dire because of the, the people who are being assembled for Donald Trump's cabinet. Um, gay people need to another uh, in, in places that are, are a lot rougher than New York or L.A. or Chicago need to know that there are happy gay people and angry and strong. And, willy, you know, that we're like, oh, no, 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 we're not going we're not going backwards. It's like, well, you might try, but ultimately you won't succeed. And I have to go see my husband now. You know, I, and I think they need to hear happy gay people. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I'm happy to provide. And, it, and it's funny, Lisa said to me early on, she said, you never tell them you're gay. And I was like, why don't I tell them? It's like, well, the headless? It's like, why do I have to come out to them? I don't need yeah. to come out. It's like, I just yeah. talk about, I just say when I came out, you know, right. and I talk about my family. But that's late in the act. But I talk about giving bad blowjobs early on, you know, right. and um, and I say all the work, you know, I mean, I, t- I Say the words that they mo- you'd think an angry mob would throw at you, and I. But I use them too. You know, yeah. I, it's like I'm not going to. You know, I tell them that I'm wearing faggoty shoes, and I said, you know, I was like, I'm not going to not use that word, it's like, because in a way, then they know you can take a joke. Right. To me, it's very that's a very calculated thing to be. It's like you, you that's that's her, that's the first thing out of my mouth about how faggoty my shoes are, and then they know they're they're. You can take a joke, right? It you're not a PC guy getting up there who's going to be offended at stuff. It's like I can, you know, I keep hoping now that I've lost all this weight, I keep hoping somebody says an AIDS joke because it'd be like I just want to tell them. Do you know what a thing that it, for a gay person who's lost all this weight? If someone asks if you're sick, do you know how happy that would make <laughs> me? Do you know? And they're like, Are you sure? Are you well? And it's like, Oh, I love you. Thank you so much. I just I haven't figured out how to say that on stage yet, but I but I do I you know. It's like, if anyone says that... Because they've said that about Lisa. I heard a guy in the audience one time say something shitty about, you know you're an AIDS patient or something like that. And I'm like, oh, please say that about me. It's like, I, I have yeah. not lost enough weight until you say that. Right. It's like, that's when you know. Oh, then I was like, oh, thank God.
0: I want yeah. Ryan Murphy to do American Horror Story, Horror Story AIDS Ward. <laughs> Wouldn't that be good?
1: <laughs> We're going to hell, the two of us. But it was, no, but that would be a, a good a joining, show. That's that would be like a interesting room, show.
0: Yes, it would be. Like, wasn't there a hospital that's not there in New
1: York anymore? Oh, sure. Now it's $10 million apartment. Right. I was in a $10 million or $9 million house? for a benefit the other night and I just yeah I looked and I was like I said to Jim, I said Jim this, is, this might be the first time I'm in a house where I'm like this might be too big for me and he looked and he said not me and I was like okay but apparently you feel like boy are we in the wrong business my and favorite were,
0: thing to do when I'm in a really nice house is imagine no, no it's sort of like that is imagine what I would throw if I were in a lover's quarrel <laughs> right there's usually some urn or some major piece like what would the tantrum look like I looked and door? I was like
1: and he said to me, he said, you see a house like this? You couldn't have a Batman collection in this house. And I said, oh, yes, you could. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I said, it might have to be in the basement where no one could see it. But I, I said. there's probably a wing, a Batman a wing. A Batman wing would be like, oh, yeah, I have everything. I mean, I, but if you have enough money, yeah. you could be like, well, it's all behind glass. You could be, or, or you could have screen, you know, a wall that you're just like, yeah, here's my collection. You could throw something open and it would yes. be all behind glass or whatever. How big but, is your Batman collection? Oh, it's thousands of pieces. It's wow. So all Batmans or just yeah. specific Batmans? Well, lately, it's only, I only let myself buy things if it's Batman 66. Okay. Yeah. Now that there's enough merchandise for the 60s Batman, I, that's, I'm limiting it to that. But so you don't need the Christian Bale and the... Yeah. I have some of all of the incarnations, right. but sometimes there'll be one I just don't like. Why do you like it? Why Batman? They have a double because they... Well, first of all, because it was the first show I... The two shows I fell in love with I still are my two favorite shows still. Batman and the Munsters are still my right. favorites of all time. But Batman came on and was in reruns like every night. At just the point where I could watch television, so because it was it started in '66, and I was too I was too small really to watch them. But when it went into reruns after '68 six, or you know, once in the early '70s, I right. was watching it all the time, and so I got obsessed with it. And then I didn't realize it. it's like it leads a double life; they're lovers clearly. Okay. Right. <laughs> I don't care what anybody. Is. It's like, I I always go through. It's like which superheroes are gay and which ones aren't. It's like Batman and Robin are totally a couple. Okay, there's no question in my mind. Green Arrow, a gay. Oliver Queen is his name. Green Lantern, not a gay. Right. The Flash likes a quickie once in a while, but that's yeah. it. Superman, not a gay. Yeah, but I can't do Marvel. I don't know the Marvel the Marvel comics people, but I do know the. I can tell you all the DC people who's a gay and who's not a gay. But um, but I I really do. It's like I'm yeah. watching this, and also it was like it was a gorgeous home, and they had a, they had fun toys, and it's everything a boy wants really, especially a gay boy. wants. You know, and then you add, oh look, he's got a young boyfriend. But, um, and then Batgirl showed up and I was like, I want to be her. Yeah. I, <laughs> her wall goes around and she rides a motorcycle with fringe on She's it. She's got it going on. Her. So, uh, I just got a Batgirl. There's an episode where the penguin tries to marry her. So it's a Batgirl doll in the wedding outfit. I just got it the other day. I was sorry, From so
0: From one episode they made a Yeah, they, they have a doll. There. They're doing
1: they know people who are 50 yeah. and are obsessed. So, have um, you
0: ever bombed when you were doing up for Lisa? Not yet they will be, be a day. No, I think that's a rite of passage. The
1: only thing that, that was a bit of a drag was, uh, and it was my hometown. I was, it, was, it was like the next town over. It was 10, 15 minutes away from my house. And they kept the bar at the back of the theater. Not, even in, not in the lobby. In the back of the theater. Right. They kept it open during the opening act. So it's like, oh, great. So now I not only have to be the guy that, that only a handful of people know who he is, but now I've got to compete with people buying, loudly buying drinks. And it was, that was a drag. Yeah, but that's not wasn't my fault. The people who were sitting there, paying attention, were laughing, but but they were pissed off that they had to listen to, you know, you know, vodka and tonic. You know, so they had to hear that. It. But it's like they're and Lisa was mad that the that the bar was still open. Yeah, she was like, "The hell is that about?" It? she said, tell them to shut up. She was she was mad that I had to do with it. And it, you know, it's it's in, you know, she's she's very protective. It's it's interesting to have you know, the mama bird. You're like, how can someone who could be that mean on stage, not mean, but that funny bit, you know, bitchy evil on stage be such a mama bird, but she is, she's really, it's a blessing, I tell you. And also to have, it's my first day where I didn't have the show, my first day of under, it's really underemployment, it's not unemployment, but the first day I didn't have the radio show, I went to the Grammys with her and she was a nominee. So it's like, how much complaining can you do yeah. when, when you're going to the Grammys on your first day off? You know, Did she win? No. It C.K. Yeah. So, oh,
0: wow. She got oh, mad. Nice. I said I should have gone with him. Has it work. been different as you've lost weight to go out there? On stage? Yeah. Yeah,
1: I think it's... I think... Um, I think it's a double-edged sword in a way. Because I think... That, I mean, you know, I come out and I dance at first. It's the first yeah. thing I do is I dance my way across the stage and then stuff. And I thought... I think they like it better when a 300-pound guy is dancing than when a 200-pound guy is dancing. But... Um, because it's just funny to watch fat shake, but uh, it's, <laughs> but uh, um, I don't know. It's you know it's weird. Cause, but I also I talk about there. Are, well, she, and I mean Lisa's you know skinny now, and she could talk about fat stuff too. And yeah. and we always talk. She her way she catches it. She'll say when I gain my weight back, and you know what'll happen. She she jokes about that. And I talk it I'm gay, and I live in L.A. I said I can lose another fifty pounds and still play fat guy number three. So I don't want to hear. Yeah, you know that that I shouldn't be making fat jokes anymore.
0: Well, I is just, it fun to get new clothes? Yes. It's real. Talk fun. to me about that. Um, Where did you oh go? Like, Everywhere. Were anywhere. you going, would you, would you go periodically? You probably had to. Why did
1: you? Because you'd have to buy pants. Yeah. I mean, I started at 48 pants, 40, and that's a waist size for people right. who have never been fat. 48 is the waist. Yeah. It's not, you know, the whatever. It's not, it's not a jacket measurement. It is a jacket measurement for a fairly large person. But, uh, um, yeah, no, I started at, at 48 and now I'm 38. So it's, Uh, Which, which, as, which I always love. When you're, when you've been really heavy, uh, when you're 10 inches smaller in your waist, it's a thrill. However, I always think of that Terrence McNally line from Love, Valor, Compassion, where he says, 36 is a big for a ballerina, but for a gay man, it's a tragedy. (laughs) I love that line. it's true. I mean, it's like 38 is still fat size, but, uh, but it's not as fat as before. And my jacket was a 54, and now I'm a 46.
0: Wow. Where do you go
1: shop? Any I can shop anywhere. Pretty much. if it's double extra large. But,
0: get, but was there someone that you loved and you're like, oh my God, I'm so happy to be here.
1: Well, just honestly, it's not even. Whether you can afford to do it or not, that you can try on a, a, that a designer thing exists in your size is something I haven't felt in 15 years. That's awesome. And and, and you, you started as a fashion writer. Yeah, I used to write fashion. So, so I had my like, deal. You know, I mean, my closet was like Dolce & Gabbana and, you know, all the shoes were Gucci and Prada. You know, and yeah. now they're all vans and Converse, but it's I live in LA, so it's fine. But um, uh, so yeah, no, I had I had really nice things, and still do. I have a lot of it. But um, the the Robert Graham people gave me things to wear on stage, and some of their, their I look like Tam from uh, from uh, Modern Family, but they gave me some stuff to wear on stage because uh, they were outfitting Lisa, and she was like, you know, give my warm up guy a few things, and so they would sent some shirts over, but they their double X is a four X in their line. So I was wearing the four. Cause I, I was like, I'm a quadruple X in, in Robert Graham. Wow. Um, and now, um, maybe I'm a, maybe a two X in there yeah. or even a one X, but it, it's kind of a, it's very strange to put stuff on. There's a photo of me in the suit. I bought the week before I got married to Jim five and a half years ago. And I can put my arms at my sides and pull the pants up over my arms, like you know, it's like over the elbow pants, um, and and it's it's pretty wild. It's, they were huge pants, and uh, but no, it's nice. To, basically, you don't it. I, I for people who've never had a weight problem, you wouldn't know this. I would go to a Macy's, and there would be if you looked for a blazer, if there were two in your size in all of Macy's, it was a big deal. Yeah. You basically had, unless you want to go to the fat man store, and I was—I'm one of those people that was like, I don't go to the big entomment store. Right. I'd order online from something, but I—but was like, I cannot walk into the big entomment store, which is stupid. It's just ridiculous. But um, but no, to have things that are, you know, I mean, if I wear young men's, it has to be double extra large. But if it's a if it's a you know, if it's like a what is it Macy's American rag or whatever it's called, that's a double extra large still. But they're this big. Um, but if it's regular, you know. I can walk into Banana Republic now and just, you know, get an extra large and put it on. I love what you're wearing today. It's really cool polo and it's
0: fun. I wear
1: camouflage. People say, why do you wear so much camouflage? I said, because they don't make leopard print in my size. If they made leopard print cargo pants, I'd have them. You know, um, I'd buy new ones. But no, I I, I have leopard or I have uh, camo pants in, in, uh, in pretty much every size. I think camo is a good neutral. I think guys look really good in it. Um. Now I read that you're colorblind. Is that right? I am. But
0: you were you were a big fashion. Writer. I was a
1: good fashion writer, and you know what's funny? There was a guy named John Duca who was a columnist of the New York Times. It turns yeah. out he was colorblind, and he was probably the best fashion he of, of the kind of fashion writing I did, which was kind of society or, or pop cultural take on fashion. He was the guy, and he was a columnist of the New York Times. It's like he couldn't pick out his own socks either. And I was like, maybe there's something you like. You overcompensate, you know? I mean, I. I had to really go, what the hell outfit am I looking at in the notes because I didn't always know, you know what color, I couldn't go by what color something was. But, um, but my take on things were, was pretty funny. And I was good and I wrote for the, New- I wrote for the Times and I wrote for New York Newsday and I went to collections twice a year. That's exciting. Yeah, it was great. But it like, it's happened to somebody else. I mean, it's yeah. like the idea is like, what'd you do when you were 20-something? I like, well, I went to Donatella Versace's party with you know at her, at her apartment in Milan. It's like, where are y'all? I'm, I'm at the Palazzo Visconti. It's like Lucina Visconti's parents play or we're at a family estate and we were at a party and you know we're you're, you know we're at a Dom Perignon party at the, you know whatever and it's all they're pouring is Dom Perignon so I did a lot of that stuff
0: who was the most down-to-earth person you met in the fashion world are they all sort of you know I like and
1: well yeah they're all nuts but 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 the one I I was very taken with the Versace's and they liked me now some people be like well what a strange choice for down-to-earth Donatella once said, somebody said, did anyone, they were interviewing her and they said, did anyone interesting ever live in this house? And she said, I think everybody's interesting. And, and I was like, that's why I like them because they're nuts. You yeah. know, I mean, they weren't, Johnny was as intense as could be, but he was also one of the first out gay people in fashion. Yeah. Oh, believe it or not. After all, you know, we're like, well, how long have designers been out of the closet since I was writing it? So like since the late eighties, yeah. that's when people started to, that's when designers were like, of course I'm gay. I'm a designer. Yeah. Um, people would say, are the designers gay? Are they all gay? And I said, the good ones.
0: Now, you wrote for Martha Stewart. I did. I did did a year you hear for her? Oh, yeah.
1: What's she like?
0: What did you remember I mean like about her? her?
1: You know what I remember most about Martha Stewart? Is a friend of mine was living with, uh, was, 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 uh, had a weekend place on Long Island with her food editor. And they went for a run in the morning, and the, she said, we got to Martha's house at five minutes to eight in the morning, and Martha was by herself, and there were two blueberry pies going in the oven. And it was like at eight o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. And I was like, and that's why I have nothing but respect for her, because she can do everything in her magazine. <laughs> she is not a dilettante. She is not... That bitch can cook. Her yeah. Guy, she can throw a party. She can pick out the most expensive item in the showcase, which is the best. The best. I've never seen her do that, but I'm sure she can do that. That we always used to joke. I told a friend. I said, "That's your superpower." She said, "What?" Well. I said, "You can walk up to a showcase of anything and find the most expensive. Go that one, and yeah. she'll be right." You know, it's that's your superpower. Um. So, but yeah, no, I liked her a lot. But you know, but then you know, you know when you see celebrities that you, and you're you're somewhere far away. And you run into a celebrity that you think... Like, you don't connect... I saw her... We, I was covering the opening of the Bellagio many years ago in Vegas. And I, and, I, and I saw her and I went, Hi! And I kissed her. And I was like, what the hell? I was like, she's my, my friend from college. She's like, what the yeah. hell is that about? And I just walked up and just, like, oh. And one time I was in Milan and I saw David Byrne and I was like, David and I was like, You don't know David Byrne, you moron. It's like <laughs> why are you acting like he's a friend of you? And then I was like, Oh shit, it's David Byrne from the talking heads. It's not someone you went to college with, you idiot. So it's yeah, I have those if we're far if I'm at if it's if I'm not expecting them, I, I sometimes don't remember that I don't know them. Yeah. You know. But no, Martha, I, I it was great. And and the editor in chief called me the day after that's what every person Dreams up. This is this is one of those we were talking earlier about people who are, look out for you. Um, the editor in chief of *Martha Stewart Living* called me the day after *New York Newsday* folded, which was my full time job at the time, yeah. and she said, "Hi, I want to put you on retainer for the next year." Oh! And so I had a couple thousand coming in every month, so I knew the rent would be paid. Amazing. But it was the day after, and I was like, "That's what you look for." I don't have that now, sadly, but I do have that. With, I mean, Lisa did show up at exactly right. the yes. right moment. But it wasn't, um, Lampanelli we're talking about. Yeah. But it, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't like that phone call that, you know. I don't know if that exists anymore. Unless you're, I don't maybe know. If you're, if you're hot spit and you're 20. It you feels know, like something, a 90s thing. But yeah. maybe it's
0: not. Maybe it's a social media thing now or the youngers. Um, when does it occur to you that you're colorblind? When do you go, oh, I mean, picking out socks you said. Like, for me, no, it?
1: honestly, for me, it was when I showed up at school in the 7th or 8th grade. And I was wearing one black shoe and one blue shoe, because I had sneakers in two different colors, and I didn't know I picked one of each. Um, then, Do you think of it day to day? Ever? It's not a big deal. I mean, yeah. like I'm looking. I was like, I would assume the T-shirt you're wearing is like a maroonish red. Yeah. And the and the pants are a little, the shorts are a little like gray, but with a teal kind of cast to it, like a little blue gray to me. They're
0: blue. Yeah. Blue. Okay. Yeah. yeah but yeah. they're
1: kind of blue green, right? Yeah. Not okay.
0: not really blue green.
1: No. All right. That's to me they look blue green. Yeah. But this is like I can do navy, and this is green, and I know it's black watch clad and stuff. Um, so it's not that bad. That's interesting. But never- but you don't if, if if there's a stack. Okay, here's the thing. Remember remember HR puff and stuff. You all yeah. have to remember that. Of course. We're watching it, and I said, "Oh, it's playing and clang," and Jim said which is Kling, the green one or the, or the red one? And I said, Kling and Kling are two different colors? And he's like, <laughs> yes. And I said, I haven't done that since 1969. sixty are two, one is green and one is red? And he's like, yes. And I was like, well, could have fooled me. So yeah, it's that kind of thing. It's interesting. Like, like when we have I, have, I have more Fiesta wear than one homosexual should be allowed to have. Right. But it's like, if you put the, the, the Christmas colors that they had, like the the deep red yeah. and the forest green next to each other. If it's not bright, they all look the same to me. Yeah. So I have to really go into bright light and go, "Oh, this is the green one, and this is the red one." Otherwise, I can't tell. But and you like, still love them? I do, but like like cr- like chrome yellow and lime green. I don't know what the difference is. It's yeah, like, I have to go. Which is this yellow or green? Interesting. So, but it's but it's not like you see things in black and white.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um. You posted something recently on your Facebook. Something oh. like. If, don't tell somebody that's a, ref, a recovering alcoholic that they were more fun when they were drunk or somebody that was heavy that they were more fun when they were fat yep. or whatever.
1: Um, I thought that was so profound and interesting. Thank Talk you. Talk to yeah, me about that. I, the, it is like a thousand to one in terms of well-wishing. Right. But because you're a comedian, what's the one voice that sticks in your crop? The one person who says something shitty. And somebody said, I miss you being chubby. And I just was like, I didn't want to say you're horrible, but I did think you shouldn't, if you get the urge to say that, don't say it because that's, A, it's about you and not the other person. That's not about me. That's about you. Right. And also it's bad judgment. You know, it's just, it's, it's. right. Somebody's made
0: a healthy choice for them. Support it.
1: Yeah. Support them. And, and. Oh, you were so much more fun when you were on heroin. Would you say that to somebody? I loved you when you had cancer. You know, it's like, no, you wouldn't say, you would look great bald, you know, see, it worked out. You know, you don't do that to a person. But it's like, if you really are, if you understand that for many people, the reason they're fat, it's not, oh, oh, I have a gland version. No, it's because I never stopped eating and I never felt a feeling because I ate my feelings. Uh, You know, if you're going to, if you're going to take everything out on a bag of M&M's and you have a problem. And if you're really working hard to do that when somebody says I miss you fast. I'm like, way more fun now and I'm faster. You know, I I I'm, I'm, I'm as funny as ever and I'm not out of breath and I don't sweat constantly when I show up at something. And I can and Jim and I were in San Francisco and he's like, "Do you want to walk up to Coit Tower?" And I was like, "Yes." And I did it. Okay? And That's you know, awesome. it's like it's like you become a better husband because you're not no you know, it's like, don't yeah. make me stand. Don't make me walk. Don't make me what? Don't make me participate in life. Is basically where a lot of fat people are at. You know, and I look at, I, I mean, you. Every person has to come to it when they come to it. Yeah. But when I see people who are on a rascal for one reason, they're too fucking fat. It's like you can change that. It's like that is not. You 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 have to do. You, you have to like yourself enough. To know you deserve to be mobile, to be sexual, to be to to live as long as you possibly can, and and I hope I mean Lisa and I are talking about writing a diet book. I hope that I think it would be great. I hope we do it because it's um, you do become a little evangelical about it. You really yeah. you you want to help people, and um, nobody had more fun eating than I did. And I still... Re- but i but I wasn't tasting anything now yeah. if I taste something and it's really good I really this is so good when
0: you first started dieting and exercising did those feelings that you used to try to squash down were you like bombarded with them
1: or yeah you kind of yeah. do yeah and I mean I don't, and I just take antidepressants I don't take, I don't take any I take blood pressure medicine I don't even know if I need that anymore the doctor's got to evaluate that but I don't really take anything it's great um but you know, I have anxiety issues that I have to deal with, right. um, but I'm dealing with them. That's the thing is like it's not so much if you have them. It's like, yeah, are you dealing with them? Yeah. Well, then you're there. Yeah. That's all that matters is that you're actually doing something about it.
0: What surprised you about you know when you when you started to lose weight? Like, oh, this is feels different. Or this well, this is
1: it was the 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 moment you can do something physical and it's not taxing. You know yeah. that 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 really that you can say. You can be in San Francisco and see a big hill and not look forward to walking up it, but it's not a death sentence. It's not the, I don't think, you don't have to say, I don't think I can do that. Right. And I mean, we were at a point, we were walking from, our, we were in Union Square and we wanted to go to, to the Fairmont Hotel, to the Tiki Room, the Tonga Room up there. And a year ago, I'd have been like, can you take a car or a cab or something? And, and, and it was just sort of like, it's only, you know... In New York City now, I, I said to Jimmy the I, oh, I forgot, when we were last there, I said, it's only 40 blocks, we'll walk it. And I wasn't doing it for show, and I wasn't trying to be big about it, it just was like, it's 40 blocks, you'll be right. there in half an hour. It's like, let's just, if we see something along the way, we'll do And we ended up running into, we ran into an author we both liked, and we were like, that's our friend, and we met that to oh, Oka. we ran in, and we're like, hey, and he's like, oh, I'm visiting from L.A., you know. So, um you're kind of... You're you're in the game. And I know there are fat people who are... And I like that word. I don't think you should act... Oh, you're plump. Or no, you're... Yeah. fat. Okay? Deal with it. Uh, but own it. It's... You know... I was fat. Um, but, but you really... I know there are happy fat people. I was not one of them. Um, it was the outward expression of how miserable I was. <laughs> what was making you miserable? Um... I think that the job I was in, except for the three hours I was on the air, was really hard for me. Right. Because there was no respect whatsoever. Um, Coming from the company. Coming from the company. And every person who is not a celebrity who I know who's worked there might agree with me. Um, So it was hard. And it was a come down after having done television and being treated very well. Right. To be treated not so well. Um, and, 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 uh, you know, I mean, if, if, if it could all have felt the way it did when the red light was on, it would have been great. But it didn't. Right. And that was hard for me. And I, uh, I also, you know, I mean, I, it was coming, that job came after the triple whammy of my, 2003 was my Anna right? I had my mother, my mother died. TV Guide had a new editor who didn't like anybody who worked there. So that was gone. And then uh the Daily Show was becoming what it became. Right. And it was no longer a spoof of the news. So you don't you know, if it's gonna be a political show, you don't need a fake movie reviewer. Right. So it all happened in one year. It was like That's de- a lot. Dead mother, two good jobs. So zero earning dead mother. So that was all two thousand three, and then series came along the following year, and I was thrilled that it happened. But um it was the uh, rebound boyfriend that stayed around too long, yeah. you know, and uh, I, I, it, it's time for something new. That's why. That's why when I say you know, when people are like, "Oh God, you've got to." You, when people say, "Oh, you need to get back on the radio," it's great, but it's like, "Oh, we've got to talk to Sirius." I don't want to go back there. It's like they were nice to me. Why would? Why do I want to go back with them? I I no longer want to go to somewhere that that you either have to. If you're going to be mean to me, you have to pay me a lot of money, right? Or I'm not doing it. You know, it's like that's what I feel feel like. It's like you either have to be nice to me, and the money's not so great, or you, you know, if you're going to be not nice, then you have to pay a lot of money. And and it was neither. You know, it was it, it was so it was it was not my happiest moment, except when it was on the air. Yeah, which was great. You know what that's like when you're yeah, on stage. it's really people, fun. People, creative I people, it's it. funny, always say to me, they're like, oh God, I hate everything but when we're on stage. It's like, everybody hates everything but when you're on stage. It's all rotten until you're out there. <laughs> it's <laughs> When the red light is off, it's cold. Yeah. This, this, when this, you know, people are like, how can you, we played the biggest thing for me. We played the Beacon in New York City. Okay, the right. Rolling Stones played like 14 nights you on the stage. Yes. Right. So somebody said to me, are you scared? And I said, of performing at the Beacon. No, I'm scared of having to drive into New York City by myself and parallel park. That's what I'm scared <laughs> of. It's like I know my act. I know what <laughs> I need to say. I just don't know if I can parallel park in Manhattan without having someone yell at me. Right. So that that's kind of the way I feel about it. Yeah. I love that. That my new mantra is that is I think it's is an F, it might be an Ethel murmur line. She said people say do you get stage fright and she said why should I be afraid? I know my line. Should the guy out there who paid money to see this, he should be afraid. Yeah. And I was like, I love that line because that's kind of it. It's like, I know what I have to say.
0: You know what you're doing. I know yeah. They doing. don't know what's you know, coming. I'm there.
1: not, I mean, am I the most polished person? No, I've got a lot to learn, but I'm learning it fast. And, and I've never done anything that wasn't in deep water. I've never learned to swim in, in shallow water ever. First TV gig, the daily show. Yeah. <laughs> First How did you job at gig? I was writing for Spy Magazine. Right. I was writing for a newspaper. I started a freelance, and the editor-in-chief of Spy called me. God loves Spy Magazine. And and he said, I think you're really funny, and I want to start this column where basically we'll call it To New York, which is euphemism for too gay. Because he's too New York. Yeah. Too urban means black. Too, gay. too New York means gay or Jewish. You know, right. but it's just, you're too. You right. Know? So we started this column, and we did it a couple issues, and then he was out on his ass, and I thought, that is the most fun I've ever had, and that we lasted two issues. And the new editor looked at me, and he's like, what the hell? Why is this even funny? I was like, I can't explain it. It's like, if you don't think what I'm doing is funny, how am I going to tell you? You know, it's like, it's hilarious. And it was really hilarious, if I say so myself. But the same guy who was the editor-in-chief said, I'm working on this new thing, The Daily Show. We just started, like, a month ago. Why don't you come on and talk about your book, A Boy Named Phyllis, which is 20 years ago now. And and so I went on The the Daily Show, and I talked to Craig Kilborn about this gay book, and it was pretty funny. And I talked about movies, and that led to the movie gig. And and so I was doing that, and they thought I was funny, and so I suddenly I'm on The Daily Show. Um, But, you know, I got out of college, and I I had one crummy crummy job for nine months, and then I I sent two resumes, and I was a columnist at at the Detroit Free Press which people would kill to be, a you know, but I was like, here I am, oh, I'm 22, you know, i will kind of and do this. So I've always, Were le- you living there? No. no I was, you were doing in New was, York. Yeah. But yeah, I did, yeah, I did move there. No, I oh, moved no, to I, went to, I went to school in Chicago, went to Northwestern. Right. And then they kind of told us, basically, whatever job is offered, you better take it or you're never going to work in newspapers, which is what I was doing. Right. So I took a job in Fort Collins, Colorado. Hated every moment of it. Remember when they had boycott Colorado? I said, I've been boycotting Colorado since 1985 <laughs> Although I am going to play Denver, which I'm excited about, with Lisa. But uh, but it was, um, I was working there, and I was like, i got to get out of here. This is horrible. I wasn't even out of the closet. You know, I mean, I, I did work, anyway. I was okay yeah. as a blade, but not at work. And uh, I applied for a job at the Detroit Free Press, and I was very flippant and funny in the cover letter. And, uh, and the woman uh, said, I love your clips and I want to meet you. And so they flew me into Detroit back in the day when they would do stuff like that. And I went, made the go rounds and the security guard on the way out said, I assume I'll be seeing you. And I said, why? And he said, trust me. And it was a security guard downstairs. Oh my God. And he said, amazing. I'll be seeing you again. And I said, are you sure? And he said, yeah. And so I got, uh, they said, well, we'll call you in a week or two. And two days later, uh, or day? Wait, a minute, it was Monday after, so it was like a day later. Basically, I was probably left on a Saturday or Sunday, and um, this woman, who I'm still friends with on Facebook, Kathy O'Gorman, said, "Hey, Frank, it's Kathy," and she said, "How'd you like to kiss Fort Collins goodbye?" That was the me- that was the, the Aww, first thing out of her mouth, amazing. and I said, "Yes," and she said, "Well, do you want to negotiate?" I said, "I don't care." Whatever it is, yes, it's like whatever you're paying is fine. It's like I will show up. And how and many had... columns
0: did you have to write a week? Or
1: um, I was a fashion writer, so I would do like a story or two, and then I had a column, a menswear column, the color by a menswear guy, and uh, and I would have a menswear column every week. I think it was every it was either every week or every other. No, I think it was every week, and. Um, and I so I took over this column and I was doing that. And then I started writing feature stories. And then I got a job at uh, covering fashion at New York Newsday three years later. And suddenly I'm like traveling over the world on somebody else's time. Amazing. So I was very lucky. It all kind of went nicely uh, from one thing to another to another. So I, I'm a good surfer. You know, I'm like in, in that, you know, I can catch a if, I see a. if somebody says, here's your board, get on that wave. I'm like, Okay you know yeah. I can kind of do it and and uh, but you know the daily show you're like hi what are you on? I'm on the cola show TV. you know right. it's,
0: what was I, the best thing about that show and the worst the daily show yeah for you uh the
1: the the, the kinds of things we got away with the the awful i mean I, I don't think i could be as mean now as some of the stuff we said back in the day um my favorite my favorite gag we ever did that I wrote I did do it myself and it's not it's, it's not a new joke it's just a twist on an old joke but I said we were, we were reviewing Moulin Rouge and I said Nicole Kidman is a singing dancing prostitute who wants to be taken seriously as an actress and that was over a clip of her on the tra- trapeze going yeah. around and the that big scene. and then you cut back to me and I said I'm sorry Nicole Kidman plays a singing dancing <laughs> prostitute <laughs> yeah. who wants to be taken seriously as an actress which is so mean you know and then we did She's, it's like, I never thought much about her. but uh, And then we had footage of you, her and Ewan McGregor. I said, but it's amazing what having a heterosexual partner could do for a girl. Yeah. And So it's like, we get this evil Tom Cruise joke, which is, who oh, knows if he's a gay? What the hell do we care? But it was so mean and we did it. So that was my favorite thing that we could get away with stuff that was just awful. Um, but it was about the powerful. It wasn't picking. You know, I, I, we used to do terrible Ang Lee jokes. And I said, I said, you know what? If you make fun of the accent on the guy who brings you your Chinese food, you're an asshole. If you pretend Ang Lee sounds like the guy who brings you your Chinese food, that's funny. It's not nice, yeah. but it's funny. Right. And it's like you're picking on someone who is a genius, and everybody knows that. So it's 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 not it's not nice, but it's a lot better than being a jerk to someone who's just slugging it out. Yeah, or, you know, living. You don't you pick on those people. You pick on people who are powerful. Or at least you used to. I don't know what people do. I don't know what anyone does anymore. But did like you time. write all that stuff yourself, or did you work with? No, I always writers? had people who I was yeah. working with. Cool. And they were always straight. I never worked with them. It's. I don't know why. The, were the, the, there
0: gay writers on the staff?
1: I don't think so. Yeah, I think it was me. No, well, there were some gay. There were some gay correspondents, yeah. but um, I don't know if they were out, but or if they're they out now. But
0: there you go. What was the worst part about the day? When it
1: ended? Yeah, <laughs> it was terrible. I said I had six good, six and a half good years, and one really rotten day. You know, yeah. when you get called in, and you're like you're going to kill my dream? I love working here. You know, that was the hard part. It was when they tell you we're, we're going in a different direction and you're not part of it. It's like, oh, come on. That's yeah. my dream. So that was really the, the tough part. What was John Stewart like? Uh, he was good until he fired me. Now yeah. I didn't like him anymore. Yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> I, I liked him until he took my dream away. Yeah, no he, no, he could have said goodbye in the first day. You know, I mean, he yeah. could have been, you're not my sensibility. You know, because my, my sense of humor is so not John's. But um, but you were on for a few oh years three and then. a half years. Yeah, it was how long longer with you him doing without?
0: Was it like once a week for you? How often? Oh, uh, every out? other, every other week. I think
1: that. Yeah, I think that. Most most of my gigs have been like every other week. Yeah. But uh, with any... now I think about it. That's been a, a light motif in my my career. Um, it's just enough. Apparently, I, every, I'm too much for every week for most things. Um, but uh, it was yeah, it was every other week, and they God, people liked it. It was really it was funny. I mean, I I, remember I loving it truly I remember did not. Yeah. Ha- there was a point where I could not, it made five or six times a week, someone would scream, Frank, we love you on The Daily Show. from, And it would always be a straight guy. It'd be some crazed frat boy, you know, or whatever, who was obsessed with The Daily Show. How
0: did the gay thought police reckon with you? Like, everyone was fine with you, or did you ever hear, like... I don't know.
1: I never heard it, but I'm sure... sure I've never gotten a Glad award, either. Um, but, uh, but no, it's... it's uh, I think they have trouble if you're playing... Okay, so I'm on... Uh, this week, I'm actually... I'm in the new uh, the new Bianca Del Rio special. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And a teeny little role. And I don't know what it's... I don't know how much it's going to make the cut. Yeah. But they say you are on... School. I heard
0: them mention that on... Uh serious on the world of wonder show and (gasps) they talked they said good things about you oh fantastic yeah okay
1: but i did the the role yeah and they wouldn't tell me what the part was and basically it's old queen is the name of the character it's just it's not even a name it's old queen but i'm horrible and i came home and i got done and it was hilarious and bianca we were we were laughing we were all really giddy and laughing over the whole exchange and it was a lot of like bianca would say something awful about me and then i was like you know, it would be even worse if you said this. She's like, oh, that's good. She's well, what about that? So we were making the thing she was saying even worse. right? But I I came home and I tweeted, I said, I I just shot what I'm sure is my most homophobic performance yet. <laughs> and I've never been more proud. So it's, I always, I joke about that because clearly I, I believe that I'm not a second cause citizen. And, 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 you know, but I also think if you're telling me I can't, play the stereotype and make it horrible, then then I'm mad. It's sort of like, no, yep. oh, I want to play with this. And it's, we liked Uncle Arthur. You didn't want Uncle Arthur to be butcher. You right. Didn't, you, you know, it's like, you're just like, could you be even gayer, please? You know, yep. it's kind of fun. But I think if you're, I think if you are a gay guy who who is so public about his own life, that it's fun to play... I, was, I played this really stupid old queen who is convinced that Bianca is somebody she's not. Right. And uh, I don't know if they said exactly what the gag is, but I'm convinced she's a different celebrity and I will not take no for an answer. And I'm an idiot. And it, Yeah. So it was really funny. But, but I, of course, played it. You know, I show up and, and, I'm, and I said, I could wear this or that. And they're like, oh, that. And they're like, you know it would be worse. And so they, we kept making it. It's like my ridiculous chrome yellow blouse. Needed a pink scarf and a turquoise hand. By the time I got in front, I was wearing a turquoise handbag, a, tur- a t- you know, yeah. a, a pink scarf, and it's a char- it's, it's something Nathan Lane played in the Birdcage. You know, it's yeah. like I'm suddenly I'm Al Bomb or whatever the character is in the American version. And um, but it's funny to me to do that, particularly if you're a big out gay, right? Um, and the lines are funny, but yeah. it's and he's kind of. Uh, You know, you're supposed to laugh at it. It was just, it's just a stupid character. It made me. Laugh. I was like, oh, please let this still be in it because it was really, it was so fun to do. Yeah. And I love Bianca and I love the world of Wonder People and so to be able to to do and also it's you know I mean it's it's yeah I got paid for it so it, yes yeah, so that's good but uh, um, you know that that's it was it was just a hoot and happy and their 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 hearts are in the right place and stuff and I mean, it's ours to play with that's right. that's the way I feel it's like yes. this is this is. It's, I'm not, if I'm doing a reality show, I want you to see all the flavors. But if it's a really broad comedy and I'm standing next to a drag queen, you know what? I could play the world's most effeminate homosexual. And, you know, I mean, we all laugh about when Blanche on The Golden Girl says, you're just going to fly right on out of here, aren't you? We like a really faggy character. I like my gays extra gay. Okay. I like (laughs) you, you know, I'm a doctor and no one knows I'm gay. I don't care. It's not good for you, but I don't care.
0: It's always interesting to me when... Sometimes with a, with a movie or a TV show or whatever with gay characters, we're worried about what straight people are going to think. When they probably ain't going to watch it and they don't even care. And it's like, it's, not, it's just not my concern. Like, yeah. it, like, In other words, everything isn't uh, a, a PSA for, you know, and I, I don't know. It's, it's yeah. mis- well, placed?
1: Like, the thing I hope happens, and maybe it hasn't, I'm just not realizing. The more complex gay characters get. I want... That's why I... Do, I mean, I, I, I like... When P- I like when gay actors play gay characters. Yeah. Now that that's all it should be everybody should play everything, but but I do like when you're still it's still considered acting if you're playing a gay because yeah. usually a gay playing a gay they think you're being yourself and and who cares? But uh, the I I think it's it's you need to show all your colors if you are doing a reality thing. But if you're you know, but as I said, if you're standing extra directly, why can't I be? a horrible gay. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, it's like, I don't, I don't want to play the, the wise gay who helps you, you know, yeah. makes, and and in real life, and in reality, I don't want to be the helper gay. I don't want to come and redo your house. I don't want to make over your outfit. I want to make fun of everything the way Jon Stewart would or Jimmy Fallon would or any, you know, it's like, yeah. I, I, or Jimmy, my favorite Jimmy Kimmel. It's like, I want to, I want to be the guy who makes fun of everything. Yeah. Um, Not, I'm here because I'm gonna make your hair the most beautiful color. You know, it's like no, that's not my gig. That's that's a service profession. I want my piece of the pie. There are enough people who are the the helper gays. I'm not a helper gay, and and maybe that hasn't served me well. Maybe that's the reason I don't do more stuff. You know, but it's like it's not who you are. Be that. It's like I don't. I don't think I do. You know, it's like when when. When African American actors are stuck playing, you know, the wise Negro, it's like right. you know what? Not everybody needs. Some people need to go. I ain't playing that. I'm not here right. to help you. To carry right. your own damn bags. It's, you know, yeah. some of us just need to say there are people who help you. I'm not that yeah. person.
0: Now I remember when you were writing for TV Guide, you were oh. like the Sopranos guy. I was. What was that like? Were you? Were, were you go to meals and have pasta with Carmelo no. and like? No, no, no. What was it like to be kind of? peripherally in that world
1: well for okay so my house in New Jersey is seven minutes from Tony and Carmela's the the house that is the exterior okay but like we went and visited and I was like seven minutes away that's appropriate but I'm Italian I'm from New Jersey um, not mafia connected sadly yeah I'd be doing better if I um, one cousin maybe we're not sure but uh, he did say to me he said if I this is great he read my book my boy named Phyllis book and he said if I knew those kids would make fun of you when you were young let's just put it this way. They wouldn't have been making fun of you. And I was like, oh, you would have killed people for me, that's so sweet. <laughs> um, but he didn't. I didn't even know I could have asked. But I, now now in retrospect, I, there were a few I should have. Um, but uh, I got to do this assignment and uh, they liked me because I'm a gay, you know, I'm not a gay, but I'm an Italian from New Jersey. And, right. and so I knew stuff and I could talk to them about things. And um and kind of got it and they liked that and, and they they were they were not the most trusting bunch so if they trusted you they'd be like send that same guy back this right. year you know so I kept getting asked to be the guy and then sad I, so the first year before it premiered I got to go to lunch with Jim Gamalfini, and he was on bus shelters and stuff you know but the show hadn't premiered yet so I'm but I'm I'm nobody knew who he was so I'm, I had seen, I don't know if I'd seen a tape or what, but I, but I was really excited about doing this interview. And so we go to meet, and the, the publicist had set it up for a restaurant that was closed for lunch. So we're standing there, and, said, and he said, you want to go to the White Horse Tavern and get a hamburger? And I said, sure. So we walked to the White Horse Tavern, and we're sitting there. And I was still doing the Daily Show at the time. And so somebody came over to the table. And they said, excuse me, I'm sorry to bother you. And we both looked up, and he said, I love you on The Daily Show. And I said, Oh my God, thank you so much, or whatever. And he walked away, and James Gallup and he said, You fuck, you didn't tell me you were on the air, you know, on camera. And yeah. so it was hilarious, but he was like, You fuck. And, uh, but we got on nicely, you know, and, uh, and, and he did not like to be interviewed, but we, we got on well. And then I did, I went to the set, and we would go to all the premiere parties. So, you know, you'd show up with your husband, and we would laugh because I said, We'd look at the Sopranos premiere parties. And we'd say, this is our relatives and celebrities. <laughs> if yeah. you should, Because it, the room looked like it was a bunch of old day ghosts and celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> and I was the first time was because the show hadn't premiered or anything, yeah. nobody knew what it was going to be. We were at John's Pizza on 44th Street or 46th, 44th, whatever street that's on. And it was a pizza, you know, big pizza place. But um, I was on the bathroom line behind Bruce Springsteen. You know, I just, I should have gone in and doused myself with his urine or something. <laughs> I not know what, but I didn't, you know, I just was like, but I, I just was like, no, I talked to Bruce Springsteen on the bathroom line because it was like, hi, I'm from New Jersey too. Um, so it was pretty funny, but no, I, I, I love that show. And David Chase, the, the, the creator is one of my favorite interviews ever because he was so smart and his sense of humor was so twisted. He was And he was just funny and smart and new stuff and, and.
0: Did you have an interview that was a nightmare? People ask me that a lot. I had a bad time. Not with
1: that, but I had a bad one, yeah.
0: Yeah. My worst was probably Shannon Doherty. I would do it. Yeah. What'd she
1: do to you? She just,
0: they, you know how they keep you waiting and then they, you know, uh, it was when they send you to the photo shoot to do the interview and that's always the worst because you never never really get them and you don't want to do that. They should
1: not agree. The first magazine that ever said that was okay, whoever the editor was should be kicked down a flight of stairs. Yeah. Well, that's never do that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So it's out on this horse farm and there's not a lot of time and I'm, you know, and the publicist said, um, Shanna was wondering if you would, could do the interview while, while she's being photographed. So we literally, while she's out there on a bale of hay, I'm like, they're kind of resetting the lights and I'm going up going, hey, what's going on with Charmed or what, you know, whatever. And she goes like this, she goes, I can't be interviewed and take pictures at the same time and I go, no shit. <laughs> and I never, <laughs> and that is not me. Like, to snap, I
1: am agreeable. Yeah, you're, you're bend over backwards. Yeah, right. a, but I didn't say no shit. And then
0: he, later, she sat down and we had our time and it was fine. But yeah, that was kind of my worst. But did you ever,
1: you know, Alan Arkin was the worst. For me, interesting. Ever. Fuck him then he, he won that He was so Oscar. mean. No, he did, you know what, it wasn't that he was mean. He didn't, he was like, I don't even want to talk about my book. And the publicist is looking at me like, why does he not want to talk about it? He's here to promote a memoir, and he yeah. didn't want to talk about it. And all he, every question was too stupid, and he didn't want to talk about it. Why were you even talking about this? Yeah. And I was like, you're really not playing nice. And so that was a drag. Um, I'm trying to think if there was ever one that... I was, I was disappointed. It wasn't that it went badly, but... Two members of Devo did my show and they kinda acted like they would have rather have been anywhere else. Yeah. Like they never stopped on their phones. Like they were they were still playing on their phones while yeah. they were answering questions. Oh, that's not good. And that disappointed me. They weren't rude in the tr- in that they didn't answer questions, but it was no fun. Yeah. Especially when you're like, okay, I love you, but if B. Arthur can tell the stories that were dying and Julie Andrews can weather me asking her about, you know, what is it you cut face, you know, uh, yeah. questions, and Carol Channing can be hilarious, and Joan Rivers will sit, you know, and, and laugh at things you're saying because she's that confident in her yeah. own skin. God rest her soul. Uh, you know, it's it's like then then you could be a little nicer because yeah. it's like you know, especially because there are people who who have no respect for diva whatsoever, it's like, and I'm coming as like a Your huge fan. fan for thirty some years, yeah. and you're kind of treating me like anybody else. I'm like, you know, what, that's not fair.
0: Yeah. So and they I, weren't
1: horrible. Alan Arkin was kind of off. Yeah. Because it really was like, what do you mean? You're, we prepped, you, you know, you can't show up and say, he's here promoting his memoir and then not want to talk about the Yeah.
0: Memoir.
1: Because you've been like, but I, that's what we've prepped. That's what, you yeah, know. that's
0: bullshit. <laughs>
1: <Our> um, but <bad. laughs> we're, it's like that John Waters, we're not having chicken, we're having
0: noodles. Okay. You wrote yeah. a book about Bob Mackie. I did. If you could have one Bob Mackie outfit just to keep in plexiglass somewhere. Oh, you know what I'd he like? the designer, of course, that did Carol Burnett Show and Cher yes. and a million others.
1: I would like Cher's Laverne Lashinsky outfit. Oh, That the, would be my number the one. The print. Yeah, it was, it was like a zebra, or no, not a zebra, a tiger print, like, yeah. unitardy looking thing. Yeah. With dangled bobble earrings and a, a bra strap showing and a, yeah. and a cardigan. Just not popping. a glam
0: Bob Maggie, but a No, that's the, that's the
1: outfit that killed yeah. me. That was yeah. nice. It would be funny. And um, you're working on a new book now. Working on a book on drag. How it, is it going? It doesn't want to write itself. You have to uh, sit and write it, it yourself. It's annoying. No, I'm, I'm facing the deadlines now. I'm, I'm kicking up the pace, but uh, but it's fun to talk to all these people and and uh, and do it. But it's, what's I, your
0: what's your angle about drag? Uh,
1: kind of that it's it's always been a show business staple. And here's what you need to know. If all you know is the drag race girls, here's what you need to know kind about about and, where it came from. The evolution. So it's, so it's and it's like that. You should know. You know that if you, if you love Bianca del Rio, you need to know who Dina Martina is and right if you need to if you love RuPaul, you need to know lady bunny and yeah and uh if you if you've uh seen Tootsie, well, you also need to see some like it Hot and know that Flip Wilson was playing a uh you know how much trouble he got into uh for playing this female character, and they felt that it was degrading to black men for him to play this character that was everyone's favorite character yeah. And, um, who else is in the book that's, uh, and, you know, that, that Jim Bailey would impersonate Phyllis Diller on the Lucy show, you know, yeah. here's, Lu- I think it's, here's Lucy. And it's like, it's like, okay. So like 40 million people are going to watch a female impersonator on yeah. the TV and think it's the greatest thing ever. Have you ever done drag? Uh, I, a couple of times. Yeah. I played most recently. I played, I was in a, um, I was in uh, a web series called Spooners and I played the comedian Ben Lerman who's a very funny gay comedian um, I played his mother Goldie and that was really a ho- but I had to shave my arm I had to shave like from the tips of my fingers to my shoulders that's
0: a lot, that's a lot not, for, me,
1: for me that's yeah. ridiculous but we laughed a lot and um, and you know, really shave against the grain in your face and, and stuff did she but- talk different she, uh, how did she talk? Oh, my, it was, she was very sort of, uh, oh my, uh, oh, look at you making those, those, you, you're making that om- you, Oh, Nelly, there's his name is, the boyfriend's name is Nelly. And he said, these are my eggs. And, look, you made a Nelly frittata. I'm like a bird. Like, you know, so I, <laughs> it was, it was this Nelly frittata. And so I was, was talking about that. And it was, um, uh, it was pretty funny. Love I had it. a good time. We shot it in, uh, in Massachusetts and it, and it was a, right before Christmas a couple of years ago and uh, it was pretty funny. I, the scary thing is when you realize you have like an old Jewish woman inside of you that it's, even though you're, you know, yeah, t- she's been Catholic there It's like, oh, she's been there. It's like, she's having a good time. She had a track suit and she was fun and they did as much as they could and I had a more ninety which was fun and uh, I was fat when I was doing that but it was, it was, um, it was fun. I, I wish that they would gone more. I did, They ended up. It was nice. They went, but they were. I was going to be in one episode, and they were like, "This is working out so well that they made it into two. So that was. Uh, That's cool. They, they boosted the
0: part. Is it on on the on web on web? web yeah, yeah. Spooners. Spooners. all right, check it out.
1: It was a short film at Outfest, and then okay. they made this web series out of it. So nice. That was really fun. I would do dragon again in a minute, but it's. It sounds so hairy. I have to. Play, I can only play Greek or Italian or <laughs> Jewish, I guess. But it's other if Greek or Italian. I wouldn't have to shave as much. But Ital- Jewish, I those arms had to go.
0: How does Jim feel about the weight loss?
1: He likes it. He feels like I'm a better husband. Yeah. It's good. I have to put out now, though. uh, (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right. uh, We've had a wonderful chat. Last question. Sure. What's your dream gig?
1: Dream gig is uh, to be the new James Corden. I'd like to be a late night talk person. I don't need the 1130 slot. I'm not greedy. But the one after that. You know what I wouldn't mind? I wouldn't mind being the guy who's even after that. Yeah, you know, for the crazy people who are still awake, it's like, how about I'll play to the them? Yeah, yeah, that would be my dream. The insomniacs. Yeah, I get so jealous when I see that fat bastard. I just... <laughs> <It was James laughs> yes, it's like you, yeah! just, remar- just a Brit. You damn hey you hairless Brit. You, you know, yes, yes no, he's, a, he's you look like a toddler. You know, you want a fat fashion because yeah. I do. One. No, but he's he's good, and he does. But he does the kind of talk show I like to do. I like that the guests talk to each other. Yeah, but I really would like to do a talk show that. It's not about beer pong. It's not about games. It's not what stunt we can pull. It's, it's, hi, we talk. Yeah. It's, I want it to be a cocktail party. And then you go, Adele, do the number. It's like, yeah. what? Do the num- Not the single. I don't care about the single. Do the one that nobody likes. Do that number. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the guy I'd want to be. I would want to be, I wish I could say to, you could have Elton John and go, all right, I know this is 40 years old. Do curtains from Captain Fantastic. Please do that live. It's my favorite song since i was 15 it's like please do this number for me and uh you know that, that i'd like to do that kind of talk show kind of like a cocktail party sort of thing do you watch uh difficult people on Hulu? i love that the only thing about difficult people is somebody said they're so you and jim and i was like oh that's terrible i was like i don't want really to hear that that's yeah that's who we remind you but i guess we kind of
0: do they're but there was a different. great line where i think julie clausner says has anyone else noticed that Jimmy Fallon has turned The Tonight Show into a children's birthday party. <laughs> and it kind of gets at what... It's not... There's an immaturity about it. Talk shows used to feel like grown-ups having yeah. grown-up time. Yeah. And yeah. now it feels a little like um, not grown-ups. Anyway, that's my thought. No, oh,
1: please. If he, yeah. If you right. were a drag queen, his name would be Dooshnozzle. Okay? Yeah. That would, that would... Plug your your social media. Where would so, okay. people find you? Everywhere I'm at Frank DiCaro Show. And it's yeah. F-R-A-N-K-D-E-C-A-R-O Show. S-H-O-W- Pretty much everywhere. But I, I love Instagram. Who knew I was a photographer? I'm a pretty goddamn good photographer.
0: That's your so choice.
1: I've been doing it. So I'm on it. I I love Instagram. I love my Facebook fan page. There's always fun things. Um, I give pretty good tweet. There you but go. Instagram, I have to tell you, I never thought... I never indulged my visual side. But I've had friends who are professional photographers and they're like, you really edit really well. And I was like, thank you. Because I kind of can go through... Contact sheets and go take that one, that one, and that one, but don't use this one. This one, this one. I'm kind of good at that, and I have a pretty strong visual sense, and it's fun to do that for someone who's so word oriented. Yeah, um, to be able to express yourself visually is fun. For, but often it's pictures of words. Yeah. The first, the last thing I posted today was, I was leaving the dentist. And it was it on me on his door in, in sandblast in the glass. It says, brush, brush, brush. And it's, and, it, and then I was going to take a picture of it, and I thought, it's funnier from the back. I was like, brush, brush, brush backwards. is more fun. So I took a picture of the thing, and then you crop it, and color, you know, you, you do it in black imagine. and white. Yes. And spots it a little, and then... Uh, and it maybe it means nothing to anybody else, but "brush, brush, Break, backwards strikes me funny. So, where
0: can people find out when you're performing with Lisa? Oh, anywhere?
1: they should go to her website because my website needs to be taken behind the barn and shot. Okay? I was on that dead. earlier. Oh, it's horrible. It's from yeah. 2003, I think. Yeah, uh, was the event? What do we have? The, 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 the exactly. Anyway, but no, it's it's horrible. But in, hers is insultcomic.com. Oh, and if she's performing there. I'm performing there. So
0: this, really, the, you're the guy. I'm her guy. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Well, she doesn't have it any other way. Yeah. So she's she sort of like, she said, you know what? I'm not asking you if you're available. I'm just telling you. These are the dates you're playing. And I was like, okay, mom. Whatever Amazing. And she's only a year older than I am. So it's not like, you know, she's not really mom. But she always did. She said the other day, she said, okay. She said, you've been doing therapy for years. And she said, and we're almost the same age. How come I'm so much more further along and in terms of mental health than you are, <laughs> I laughed so I was like, "You bitch!" It's like it was made me laugh so much. But yeah, we. She's a godsend. Love so. it. All right, it's been so fun talking to you. Thank Good you. luck with everything
0: you got going on. You look amazing. It's so great. Yes, I do. Thank yes. you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Frank. So glad we finally made that happen. And if you want to hear more from Frank, he is this month's Patreon bonus episode. For as little as a buck, you can listen to Frank riff on the Observation Deck. Lots of fun stuff, surprising stuff, um, funny stuff. So so this happened, 2016, limped to a close with a lot of celebrity deaths. Um, my friend and former podcast guest Jackie Beat posted that she felt like death was on a shopping spree and was just throwing everything in the cart as as fast as possible before the deadline, like supermarket sweep. And that's what it felt like. Um George Michael hit me hard. I was a huge fan of his. I discovered him when I was on a choir tour to England in 83. And, um, that boys, the song was out. And the, I don't even know if their first full album would come out, but I, I, I bought that and brought it back to the States. And I was like, this is going to be huge. And it took a while, but it was, it, they, he was huge. And I got to see him in concert in the in like 2008, maybe. And, The thing I loved most about it is he was so grateful to his fans for sticking with him. And he understood that we were in a recession and it cost a lot of money to go to a show like that. And he was very grateful. And he also knew that he's not it's not easy to be a George Michael fan sometimes. Because he doesn't put out a lot of music. He doesn't make a lot of videos. uh, He gets in trouble a lot. And his gratitude was really palpable and wonderful. And then we lost Carrie Fisher, who was probably my favorite celebrity interview ever, if I'm ever asked that question. I interviewed her in 94, I think, for Detour magazine. Um, She had come out with her book, Delusions of Grandeur, Grandma, Delusions of Grandma. And she was doing all this press for it. And I pitched her to Detour. I was like, what about, you know, Carrie? And it happened within a week, like I was talking to her. And I guess I had this fantasy of what it would be like, and maybe like, oh, we'll get along, we'll click, or whatever. And it was more than I imagined. We did the interview in her bed. Um, Debbie Reynolds showed up and uh, made a cameo at the end. And the two of them together were were like a, a comedy team. It was hilarious. And at the end, somehow I ended up with one of Carrie's expired spermicidal sponges, Today Sponge, um, as a souvenir. And I kept it for a long time. It would sort of float around the house. And now I don't know what happened to it. Um... But I, I hope I come across it someday somewhere in this house. Um but uh she was awesome and I'm sad about that. I I posted the interview on my personal Facebook page, the Carrie Fisher one, but I will post it on the Dennis Anyone Facebook page if you'd like to read it. It was really funny, and she was and she I went through and read it again, and in the book she talked about caring for a friend who was dying of AIDS, and she did that in real life and she talked very movingly about that and it made me cry when I went back and read it. So what a loss. I'm really, I'm really sad about that. I I think she was incredible and no one's quite like her. So, all right, here's to a bright and better 2017. I hope all of you are having a good start to the new year and we'll catch you next time on Dennis anyone. Bye.